Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 12, issue 568. And today we're going to talk about Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue we have Brian Edwards. Hello, hello. James Carter. Hello. And Carmu. Hey everyone. That's no moon. <laughs> hey! Hey! Has to be done. Uh, this is the second Star Wars show. We're doing a few this year. We're jumping around the timeline, both in terms of the mythos and the games and the formats and whatever else, because I thought that would be more fun and interesting. And obviously the release of this one, although it hasn't quite coincided as was originally planned, we're recording this uh, like a week after the sequel has come out, which gives us some sort of perspective on what happened next, I suppose. What is Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order? I expect you already know, but... In the simplest possible terms, it's a third-person action game set in the Star Wars universe. We'll issue a spoiler warning because it has canonical impact upon all things Star Wars, as we'll discuss. And we should start, really. So we we did our Star Wars Atari arcade game show a month or so ago. uh, And we also heard on that show people's sort of relationship with Star Wars. So I think we should also touch upon that because... While everyone probably you know knows a, knows a bit about Star Wars and has seen some of the films, <laughs> I know there are people out there who haven't. Um, level of investment may play a part in how we feel about the games. So, Brian, what's your what's your Star Wars life been, and uh, what's your history with this particular game? Uh, probably no surprise um, that I was a pretty big Star Wars kid. Uh, my brother was five years older than me; was kind of perfect age for when those movies came out, and I inherited right. them. And then the advent of home video, and when those came out, I was basically hooked. Um, the the pre- prequels came out, started coming out when I was a junior in high school, so I was hmm. I was right, I was in pretty much prime Star Wars yeah. age there. Um, you thought yeah, Jar Jar so, Binks was the best thing ever? Uh, I can actually, it's one of the three actual impressions I can do of a character. <laughs> oh, no. I, I I promise I won't it's do it. It's problematic. During the show. Maybe no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean anything can be problematic, but um, no, I uh, I'll do I'll do it during the outro, maybe, but not now. Um, and uh, so I, but I was a big player of, of all things Star Wars video game. I think the first Star Wars video game I played was Super Star Wars or Super Empire Strikes Back on uh, SNES. And Great. It just just basically, I think I shared with you guys pre-show or on the Slack that I, I have a very romantic relationship with uh, Star Wars video games. Yes, so, same. Um, yeah. So yeah, so this was an absolute day one purchase for me, just a no-brainer. Um, I think that it probably would have been a day one purchase anyway, um, but the fact that it was developed by Respawn and I was such a huge Titanfall 2 fan that it just kind of... I. I was willing to just jump in based on that. So I probably played through it over the course of the first week of release. And then um, maybe a year and a half later, I picked it up on the PlayStation. I played on Xbox first, and then I played on PlayStation um, when they rolled out that PS4 Pro update. Um, It might have been a little longer than a year and a half, but whenever that came out, I played through it on PlayStation. And then I've been playing through over the last week or so, kind of in tandem with the sequel, popping back and forth. Ooh, just kind of confusion reigns. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do my best to keep those separated today. And uh, do you keep yeah. using the uh, the R1 button to try to slow the enemies down in the sequel? That's <laughs> yeah. that's my thing. Yeah. yeah. I also I keep trying to use powers in the first one that I don't have yet. Have uh, yet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah. but yeah. So I've been playing through it. I'm mm. maybe about fifty percent of the way through, and it's been a pretty fun experience. So I think I'll probably see it through again for a third time. James, how about you and the wars? Uh, La Guerre, Guerre des, des Etoiles, I remember it used to be. I think that's the French version. It used to be on the back of the uh, toy packet sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, when I was growing up, when I was but a wee bairn, um, 
there were it was definitely still the era where Star Wars the original trilogy were on TV every single Christmas. It was that period of kind of late 80s early 90s where that was still the case before they pulled the plug on uh, on that before the the prequels came out. Um and then Star Wars kind of disappeared for a while for it was a good number of years as soon as they realized they were going to make the prequels they just pulled Star Wars from TV mm. you couldn't see it anymore again in the UK well they uh, they put them back in the cinemas from 90 in yeah, 97 yeah. of course for yeah. yeah i want to say it was it was earlier than that that they'd actually pulled them from like really yeah they, they, i i don't remember being able to see them selling the videos like, in various different boxes basically. exactly yeah, yes. yeah and we were already at uh, at the at the edited versions um the special mm-hmm. editions so yeah um so yeah I, I watched them then but then because i couldn't watch them for a period of time there just didn't have the videos and weren't on tv um ended up like my childhood memories are more of stuff like willow and uh legend and stuff mm. like that uh that was kind of not born out of obviously because they were fancy rather than sci-fi but that kind of that that sort of era of film. I mean, Willow very much is George Lucas saying, "Right, done Star Wars. Now let's see if I can do a Lord of the Rings." Oh, you won't give me the rights. Well, here you go then. Yeah. Um, but definitely uh, fond memories of Star Wars. But I would kind of say, along with ah, uh, the Beatles, Naba. I'm like, I I get that it's really good, but it's not my thing. Like sure. you know, everyone's got their this is my sort of coming of age yeah. thing, and for for a lot of people younger than me, the prequels are were their thing. You know, if it wasn't mm. you know Lord of the Rings, maybe it was the it was the prequels. Um, uh, and obviously for for some of us stuffy older people, the prequels were a bit like, well, this isn't what I remember. Yeah. Um, but in terms of so stuck stuck with it and definitely watch the uh, the Disney Plus series TV series I enjoy. Uh, the films uh, have been hit or miss. Um. <laughs> I think it's fair to say for me. Um, but games-wise, uh, I, I will pull you up on one thing. We have covered more than just the one previous Star Wars game because in the Lego uh, TT oh. Games show, we would have talked about uh, the mm, original loophole. trilogy. And the, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, the, yeah. The, now, that is a good point. I'd kind of semi-forgotten about that because it was under such a huge umbrella. But yes, you're sure, absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, they, they were definitely... Because they were such a big part of the, the yeah, Lego Yeah, well, they started series. it, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. Mm. It, it, they ended up being a big part of that, but yeah, they weren't their own Good standalone uh, show. So, uh, but yeah, definitely played uh, Jedi Knight uh, games. I can't remember which, which ones exactly, but I think one and two. There's a whole trilogy um, yeah, of those, exactly. yeah, on the PC, yeah. And some like have had hands on with probably X Wing versus Tie Fighter, but right. in all honesty, this was back in the days where it was someone brought a disc in and put it on the school PCs, and we just right. mucked around with it. So, couldn't tell you for sure. Um, fair enough uh but yeah in terms of this particular series um so fallen order i originally started in december 2019 shortly after it came out on xbox one uh which i think would have been xbox one x back then uh, that i would have had um lasted on that for four or five days (laughs) weirdly uh Mm. got to and beat the ninth sister um and then was like, yeah, I kind of feel like I'm done, and then didn't come back to it for another year and a few months, decided to go and finish it off, and, and picked up my save where it was, was able to finish the rest of the game in a few days there. So, like, two intense periods of playing through the game, but separated. Didn't really want to restart, so fired up on Series S, I think I was playing on, uh, early 2021. Um, and then for this show, uh, popped it onto Steam Deck, 
which was an experience getting that running. Um, but got that got that running on there. Runs pretty well, uh, forty frames a second, uh, and and mm. had a bit of a mess around. Didn't do a full playthrough, but enough to to sort of refresh my memory on what I liked and and where there were things that I didn't like so much about the game. So yeah, cool, cool. And Carl, yourself. Yeah, so uh, quite a lot like James. I remember the movies being on TV and enjoying them. And actually, one of my earliest movie-watching memories is with my <clears throat> parents uh, quite late on a night one time watching um, uh, the uh, episode, uh, what were we, episode six. Um, and obviously, you know, falling in love with, with, with the characters and stuff in, in, in that film. And even though I'd already kind of seen, you know, the, the first two, um, it was uh, very little I could remember from them. It, it was kind of, kind of the you know at the, at the end of that that I actually remembered those. And I guess in terms of a, a movie fan, I was more of a. I think Star Wars in general, I would say I'm more of an enjoyer than a lover, and I'm sure. definitely more of a fan of the games. My my history is far more intertwined with Star Wars as a gaming franchise than a movie franchise. You know, I did go and see. Um, what the Phantom Menace of the premiere <laughs> for my sins, um, mm. with my uncle who was, you know, as a kid he was the he was the absolute Star Wars lover in the family. He would just bang on about it all the time. Um, uh, so that was quite a good experience to go and see that film. Uh, it was probably the good experience about that film was actually being able to go with him rather than the film itself. Um, and then I went to go and see uh, the first one with uh, Ray as a character in with Tony from the podcast when that first came out. Um, but other than that, I've kind of avoided them, and you know I haven't even watched the Mandalorian yet. So I'm, you know, one of the tens of people that seemingly hasn't watched that on Disney Plus yet. <laughs> Good fun, you might um, like it. <laughs> I, I'm sure I actually will really enjoy it. It's again, it's just yeah. finding the time and to sort of yeah. really enjoy um, a TV show. But absolutely. when it comes to games, I mean, it feels almost like if you can name the Star Wars game, I've probably dabbled with it. Yeah. You know, all the way back from, you know, X-Wing, TIE Fighter, X-Wing v TIE Fighter. Um, obviously, Super Star Wars, probably the first one that I can kind of really remember, all the way through to, um, what's the one on the N64? Shadow? Shadows, Shadows of the, of Empire. the Empire. Yeah, Shadows of the Empire. Um, great first mission. Terrible Not on the rest list, of the game. yeah. <laughs> kind of just done me <laughs> review for that one. Uh, obviously, you know... Uh, Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2, all the way through. And then mm -hmm. this being developed by Respawn, kind of a huge fan of Titanfall 1, kind of a huge fan of the Titanfall 2 single player. I have about 3,500 hours in Apex Legends. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, I have a fair few hours in Respawn mm. games, and yet didn't really fancy this one at launch. My dad was talking about it a lot. My best friend was talking about it a lot. They both picked it up at launch. Um, my dad really enjoyed it. My friend actually fell off it really quick. I borrowed my dad's copy and uh, I played through to the first vault and just dropped the game. I was like, that is not for me. Not really clicking with it. It just feels like a really bodge job Souls game and then came back to it maybe two years later so probably 20 2021 early 2022 um and played it on the xbox this time rather than the playstation um and went through 
played that 100% and then thought, do you know what? Let's do it again on the PlayStation because I've only got one trophy on there. Um, went through and 100%ed it on the PlayStation and obviously uh, a bit so more of a fan of it now than I was back then. Mm. So, yeah, I would say that I have thoroughly caned and rinsed this game. That can um, but, yeah, it was kind of a strange one to get there in the end. It was It's not the first fractured relationship I've ever had with a, a yeah. game um, to begin with. I think quite famously Uncharted 2 and The Last of Us are probably right. two others that I fell yeah. off. I'm not putting this in the same, you know, spoiler. This is not at the same level as those yeah, two games. Sure. But, yeah, that was kind of my experience with this. Yeah. Uh, for regular listeners and certainly Patreon listeners, you'll know that I am, uh, oh, you know, I'm, I'm obviously I'm not without critical faculty when it comes to Star Wars. I don't think everything Star Wars is amazing and nor am I in the all post Disney Star Wars is trash. Uh, I love the Mandalorian. I thought Andor was amazing. Um, but equally, I don't think everything that's ever, ever been Star Wars is incredible uh, without flaw, but I enjoy it. I enjoy consuming it nonetheless, even when it's not so good. Um, I haven't watched like all the CG series, the Clone Wars and, and Rebels and all that. So I'm not a total kind of utter completionist devotee. I don't know all the... I don't any longer know really what's canon and what's legends and stuff like that. But I was four years old, nearly five, when I went to see the original Star Wars as it was then, before it was even called Episode Four. I saw it at the Brighton Odeon. I still live about 20 minutes from there to to this day. And I grew up with Star Wars, watching them at the cinema when films used to come around again, as they used to say. You would go and see them again. I took my mum to see Star Wars. My mum took me to see Star Wars multiple times. I even went to see a double bill of Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back for many, many years and possibly still to this day, if I'm feeling that way inclined, The Empire Strikes Back is probably my favourite movie of all time. Um, and yeah, for, for years I was pretty much obsessed. I had all the figures. I didn't have all the figures. I wish I'd had all the figures. I had a lot of figures. I had a lot of toys. Uh, the Millennium Falcon and uh, Atat were two of my most memorable Christmas morning experiences, getting the 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 Kenner Palatoy, ones of those. Um, I started, a, I, I ran the role-playing game in the late 80s with some friends. I, I sort of DM'd the, uh, the Star Wars RPG. Um, I watched the uh, the video trilogy on VHS the day I lost my virginity. That's the kind of, that's the kind of history I have with Star Wars. And yeah, um, I didn't get to play every single game because some of them were PC only and whatever. Obviously, I've got access to almost all of them now other than the ones that are kind of, uh, have been buried in the the digital past but um yeah i would say if i i don't really believe in guilty pleasures but one of my quotes guilty pleasures would be buying and playing things like the episode 3 game that came out on xbox and ps2 yes. and <laughs> like and knowing it wasn't great and like you know by the standards of video games at the time it wasn't state of the art but i just love playing it because you were being a jedi with a lightsaber mm. slicing robots and so yeah, add in Ben Burt's sound effects to anything and it like immediately elevates it for me. So uh, bear that in mind as we review this game, because if it wasn't a Star Wars thing, maybe I wouldn't be pos as positively disposed towards it. But I don't know. As I say, I have critical faculties. Um, this was bought for me for Christmas, I think the year it came out on Xbox. Uh, yeah, I would have had, a, I think I would have had a One X by that point or was about to get one um, but actually I ended up waiting for the next gen version patches to, to really play it properly I played it about a third of the way through on Xbox and then ended up playing completing it on PS5 um, for reasons that I'll go into finished it a few weeks ago and have just started the sequel but not to the point that I'm thoroughly confused yet 
<laughs> as we mentioned, the developers Respawn. The director is Stig Asmussen, uh, which is a name probably better associated with Sony Santa Monica. Uh, Stig joined Respawn in 2014 and uh, served as the studio's game director, leading the studio's second development team, i.e. the non-Titanfall team at that point, and I guess the non-Apex team at this point, uh, while the first development team was indeed working on Titanfall. Lucasfilm was protective of the Jedi as a sacred part of the franchise, having obviously made their own Jedi-based games in the past, although, as we've said, there were also licensed movie games which had Jedi in, so not sure about this, but... Uh, they encouraged Respawn, nonetheless, to make a kind of shooter game about a smuggler or a bounty hunter, which we know there were a number of games of that type around or abouts. Then, obviously, we, we also had the Republic Commando game. We had the cancelled one or ones, um, thirteen, thirteen, and various other things, which tended to focus on characters in lore that weren't lightsaber wielders, I suppose. But obviously, we've also had the Old Republic, Knights of the Old Republic, and so on and so forth. Anyway, for this game, Asmussen pushed back with his vision, convincing Lucasfilm to focus on a game with Jedi and lightsaber combat. And visually, because it's around the time of the the first wave of Disney Star Wars movies, it's sort of inspired visually uh, by Rogue One and Solo, and also inspiration taken from that Rebels CG series, which takes place in the same period. And I know a lot of the characters from that Rebel series, even though I know uh, I know among the fandom, it's not as well liked as the Clone Wars series, which ran for a lot longer. But as I understand it, a lot of the Rebels characters have come to fruition in, in Mandalorian in recent times. So uh, there's some crossover. The director then is Stig Asmussen, who we probably know best for doing God of War 3, which I think was that issue one of the Kane and Rince podcast. I, I have. Think. I think yeah. it was. It certainly, yeah. So uh, go back and listen to that. Hear us <laughs> with younger voices and swear words. The writers uh, include, the main writer was Aaron Contreras, who's who's written Mafia 3 since. Uh, also Chris Avalone, who we last spoke of when we were talking about Planescape? Torment, right? Well, possibly, yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. much of his Wouldn't have been yet. dying. We haven't done Dying Light 2 yet, have we? So. No. And this was, so this was before... Uh, multiple sexual allegations came out around him when we covered that podcast uh, and and this game as well. This was in uh, earlier this year. Um, actually, sorry, I can't remember exactly when the allegations were made, but there was a substantial and hefty out of court settlement uh, made. Although and and a lot of retractions were made, so it's one of those unpleasant tales where we'll never know the truth. But yeah, we're worth just pointing out, Leon. The the hefty payment was made to him. To him, yes, indeed. Not by yes. him. To That's him. an important that is a, that, distinction. We should probably that is a very good point. Yes, uh, and yeah. that the two accusers have actually come out and said we did not actually state those things. Yeah, Ashman eighty six from our forum said, as a lifelong Star Wars fan as well as a fan of Respawn, I was over the moon when the studio announced they were working on Fallen Order. Add to that that uh, the fact that Chris Avalone, who had written Knights of the Old Republic two was set to work on the game and my expectations were sky high. Of course, this was before he'd been accused of sexual misconduct by three separate women, which has since cast his work in a problematic light. Uh, so, yes, um, see, the, see the, the resolution to those misconduct allegations uh, online for further details. Composers involved, Stephen Barton, who previously worked on the Respawn games Call of Duty 4 and Titanfall, and Gordy Hab who's a kind of Star Wars veteran, having worked on the Old Republic and Connect Star Wars. I don't know if he composed the Han Solo song 
even though I interviewed him multiple <laughs> times on Sound of Play, I didn't get to ask him about that. Uh, maybe it would have set things off on the wrong foot. But he also <laughs> did some, I think, stellar work for Battlefront and Battlefront 2, the dice battlefronts, the the, the modern yeah, ones with... Where he is, he's one of the one of many composers who's had to kind of take up the the John Williams mantle, and um, and sort of the the shows, the TV shows and stuff have kind of stepped away from this a bit in recent times. But there was a time when anything Star Wars had to sound like it had something along the lines of a John Williams soundtrack. But I think Disney has kind of stepped back from that a bit and tried to kind of mix things up a bit. Um, but we've still got Michael Giacchino in Rogue One doing a, a, a fine John Williams impersonation and and things like that. So yeah, Gordy Hab was the the obvious go to I think for this project, along with uh, Stephen Barton. The game was released on PC. Uh, th- this was EA's first release on Steam since 2011 and Crisis Two. However, Steam was used mostly as a front end, and the game still required an EA or Origin account to play. Fortunately, it was also released on PlayStation 4 and <laughs> Xbox One, uh, enhanced for Pro and Xbox One X on 15th November 2019. A moment of silence for the Google Stadia version that was released November the 24th, 2020. The update for PS5 and Xbox Series consoles arrived June 2021, uh, adding higher frame rates and a bit more spit and polish and faster loading times and various niceties uh i wouldn't say it, it comes out looking like a native ps5 xbox series product in the way that the sequel does but it's certainly a preferable experience and my particular favorite thing about it and the reason i ended up persisting with the ps5 version is because the haptics on the dual sense are mwah, for lightsaber <laughs> combat chef's kiss and genuinely elevated the experience for me Sales-wise, I think it did better than expected. It sold more than 10 million copies as of March 2020. As of June 21, more than 20 million players, which would have included some subscribers and so on. But if you think about it now, it's been a monthly PlayStation game as well. And uh, it's going to have gone up even more, for sure. Let's talk a bit about the scenario. It's Star Wars. Moving right along. No, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) It takes place five years after episode three, Revenge of the Sith, which was the 2005 film, and 14 years before episode four, A New Hope, which was the 1977 film. You play uh, a callow, I think there's a clue in his name, youth who uh, was uh, was a Padawan and somehow escaped the Emperor's Evil Order 66. Uh, to wipe out all the Jedi. As it turns out, so did quite a lot of the Jedi, (laughs) an increasing number, as has been pointed out recently by a number of articles. Uh, And you end up uh, teaming up with some other uh, Force-sensitive folks on the run, um, looking for the details of other Force-sensitive youths, younglings in the galaxy to to recruit them, basically. Obviously, you're being chased around by the Empire at this point. Uh, the Inquisitors, who are those uh, themselves with with the dark dark side powers, sent to hunt down the the good Jedi. Um, I thought it was, you know, it was it was a cool setting for for a Star Wars game, an interesting time that we hadn't seen that much of. Uh, how does everyone else feel, Brian? I thought that the 
the setup for this was pretty good, and I think the the opening hours of the game were kind of masterfully constructed there. I, I think the the Braca section in particular um, is a nice kind of introduction to Cal and like what his motivations are. It kind of naturally puts that Order sixty six storyline into play without starting out with just mass murder of Jedi, you know. Mm. Um, and I do feel like you know you look at the the setups of the movies and and kind of all of the star wars that we had seen up to that point when the game had come out that this there's a lot of avenues of star wars that have not been explored there's a lot of big plot points that were kind of underexplored and i think this isn't is pretty interesting to see like what would have happened to a young jedi who lost their master like kind of cast out to the world with all of these amazing abilities and powers and focus but kind of untrained on focused and constantly you know threatened and i i that that did appeal to me and i think that one one of the lessons i learned from uh jedi knight 2 jedi outcast was that like you you put you put me in the in the position of a jedi who's still learning stuff like i'm i'm willing to go out go on that journey from a video game perspective so yeah i was mm-hmm. um I, I was kind of kind of in from the jump and knowing that i was kind of going on this learning progression and kind of maybe figuring out a way to survive in in this like empire ordered hostile environment was was definitely intriguing to me james uh yeah i i think the opening um level of this game is probably the standout section of the game which is odd for me to say huh. because it's the bit that plays most like just a straight uncharted game you're right, right? It's yeah i agree just yeah. climbing around and you are the everyman who's you know got an onerous task put upon them i do really like though that you start off in like obviously we're going to find out that cal is a is a jedi but at this point Mm. it's got that kind of uh space trucker vibe to it you know the alien kind of setup or or even the the reason that you know the smuggler aspect is often pushed off can we not see more of this side of star wars like we Mm. know who Han, han solo is but we also know there's an entire group of and obviously it's been covered in stuff that's now legends but it's not something that we delve into that much. And this was, here is a a practical practicality of the side of the Empire that requires, okay, we got a bunch of, like, out-of-date ships we now need breaking down for parts and scrap, and there's going to be a bunch of people who are, you know, manual laborers. We saw it a bit at the beginning of Force Awakens, that kind of side of it where you take out the Force, it's still there, we still understand its relevance in the universe, but you just see a kid learning, you know, just being a, a worker, um, and and the 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 stresses and strains that come with that. Um, I think that's interesting, and obviously it's dangerous work, which is how we then kind of kick off the the story. Um, in terms of where this is set in the in the the timeline, um, yeah, I think it's interesting that we'd had Rogue One before this, and I'm just talking about sort of what we've had recently. Uh, in this time period we'd had rogue one but we hadn't yet had andor we hadn't yet had obi-wan uh mm-hmm. series um mm-hmm. that series um and increasingly now that this game has come out it feels like more stuff's kind of fitting into this you know yeah. this time period where mm-hmm. the question starts to become and has been asked several times um how soon do we see Cal Kestis in something other than this series of games? And yeah, that right. sounds like, why would you do that? You've got so many other characters. But I think part of it is people like this character. I think in this game particularly, there's you know a feeling that there is a blandness to the character, which is the same could be said of Luke Skywalker. 
let's be honest. Absolutely. Um, but yeah. the, the second aspect is you've got an actor, Cameron Monaghan, who is the character model for 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 this um this character as well so it it lifts you're not having to do a situation where they're doing in um mandalorian where you are casting characters who have appeared in um animated works yeah and you're now finding someone who looks enough like them and adding a lot of makeup to to yeah. kind of bridge the gap mm-hmm. I was just gonna say, just kind of address the blandness because I I felt that too as soon as you said that I I smiled yeah um because you know that I I definitely feel that from Cal Kessis but I think and again I'm not trying to just put my Star Wars visors on here but like the competent Jedi in the entirety of Star Wars is kind of by nature bland mm-hmm. you know they don't feel the same way everything is calm and measured and even if you look at like all all of the most interesting jedi from a personality standpoint have turned dark you know in some mm-hmm. way shape or form yeah. mm-hmm. so i'm not sure how much of the bland like, like if you think of luke skywalker when he attained like full master jedi status in the last movie like he was basically just you know just real calm and measured i, I think i think it's as much at least equal parts performance and equal parts expectation there too. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense as well within the role. I mean, let's not forget this is someone who doesn't really know who he is. Right. And yeah. he's yeah. not sure who to trust at any one time. He had one friend, and that's the kind of linear story building that we get at the start, which is done quite well. Um, but then I think, you know, it, it, we know who Cameron Monaghan is. We've seen him in other things before. Mm. It always feels a little bit weird when it's a direct rip of someone's face. But yeah. at the same time, <laughs> right. he shares a lot of the screen time and voice yeah. work time with, um, obviously, Deborah Wilson, who is just like a legend. G- <laughs> a put her legend. in every game, and she's genuinely. In yeah, she's yeah. unbelievable in everything she's ever been in. And you've got, um, I don't know who was the voice of Grease, but like he's super charismatic in that role that he, he kind of gets a little bit swallowed up by those two as well. Who just, Daniel Roback. Yeah, they, they're just really, really strong performances. Mm-hmm. I don't think that helped. But again, yeah. it wasn't offensively so because really he shouldn't be, you know, yeah, he, he's no, not exactly going to be strutting around arrogant, is he? He's, you know, he's lost no. his best friend. He knows he's getting hunted and he hasn't mastered his abilities yet. Yeah. I mean, folks my age will remember possibly that uh, while Luke is now considered a legend in the literal Mm. sense, um, partly because uh, Mark Hamill is seemingly one of the best people in the world, (laughs) uh, an an international treasure, you know, delightfully funny and talented and kind and all those things. Um, He was considered to be Luke was considered to be and possibly by deliberately so a total dweeb not very well performed in in the original Star Wars episode mm-hmm. 4 New Hope and yeah just like a bit of a like he i think for many even kids he was like the least interesting thing about Star Wars right. um and and so i suppose the only thing about that is for me is that Cal is clearly a kind of jedi riff on Luke the Luke character you know he's mm-hmm. kind of he's got that sort of youthful spring in his step and is that slightly naive wide-eyed kind of thing going on at first it it probably changes quicker in the case of obviously not in terms of screen time because obviously in the game you play for what 12 hours or 14 hours or something and in the entire arc of uh, Sky, Luke Skywalker took place over six hours um but yeah I think I think him and him and BD1 together is very much Luke and R2 it's it's yeah it's it's safe in the way that Absolutely. Star Wars does things safely 
and 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 like Luke in that respect, the characters that are around Cal, like part of the point, particularly because this is a game, so to a certain extent, the games have a lineage of even when you have a named faced main character, you want a little bit of a blank slate there, a, a, an aspect of not in terms of their history, but in terms of the mm-hmm. player should be able to project into them a certain amount of themselves is kind of the theory there. And so what you do is you have characters around them. I'm thinking like of a shepherd sort of character. You have characters yeah. around them that help sketch the outline of the character that you're then Absolutely. filling in some of the details yourself. Yep. And that's why there's a strong cast around them. Even BD1. the way BD1, I think, a great character in this. But almost because of what BD1 allows you to find out and understand about Cal. Um, yeah, in in some ways, you know. Also, yeah. not to completely generalize, generalize. Uh, Respawn does make a good robot that can emote. <laughs> like that has been for oh, t- yeah. t- t- yeah. Titanfall two, and then in yeah, the BD one. Like, yeah, I will, I, I will fall in love with a Respawn robot. Yeah. you know, ten so times. So he's part Wally, sure. part R two, part BB eight. Yeah, uh, exactly. quite a lot of Wally. Um, but uh, yeah, it would be a co- you'd have to be a cold hearted, sci fi hating. <laughs> monster to not enjoy bd1 and also the fact that i know while his actual vocals are uh performed by a an actor with like a nose clip and a mic on um <laughs> i think it, i think it was revealed that it's the guy who played the main character in battlefield 3 at least it is in the oh, new wow. one um but the the actual audio was directed by the legendary ben burt who made all those sound effects for the mm-hmm. original star wars films so that's why he sounds on point authentic uh, yeah and he's and you know the animation is obviously kind of i'm, I'm sure they look back at uh what pixar did with with wally but that's yeah. fine you know if you're gonna yeah, you're gonna those, riff riff on the best it's all disney those, so those canine head turns yeah the, the, yeah. yeah i mean yeah. so so dog-like in that yeah. kind of uh that that i'm interested but i'm not sure why way oh, i love that so good yeah Back back on Cal just briefly because I want to uh, mm, yeah, yeah. sort of emphasise what what our feedback was on this. So Hal from Patreon says, Cal's story has an interesting premise, but struck me as a relatively flat character, especially when compared to Sears' story. Sears is uh, Deborah Wilson's character. Alex seventy nine from forum says the lead character has to be one of the most boring nobodies in the history of AAA <laughs> gaming. <laughs> Quite harsh, I felt. Uh, Squibster9 says, uh, Cal Kestis was likeable, bringing an emotional truth. Perhaps a bit dull, maybe? He's still finding his path. It's ambition doesn't reach greatness, uh, the story-wise this is. Weak supporting characters and a plot that promises a lot, but feels a bit hollow in the payoff. Wow. Uh, Interesting. I don't don't like to argue with correspondence right off the no, bat. No, no, you um, can put your own opinion forward. <laughs> 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 no, everybody's wrong. No, I, I agree with the thoughts about Kale. I think Alex uh, Alex's uh, contributions are maybe the most extreme that I felt about him, and maybe Hale's is probably like the warmest that I would feel. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that, for me, the story payoff and, and the general narrative was what shined for me overall. Um, my my faults with this game more lie in the technical, the gameplay, and the things that we'll get into. But um, the story and its supporting characters is that the cast, at much like a Mass Effect two, it was kind of the reason I'm there. You know, like the whole mm. group story, the whole group, everybody's motivations became important to me. It quickly became one of those games where, um, much like the original Knights of the Old Republic, where suddenly I am listening to everybody's dialogue making mm. sure i'm talking to them enough times till till they start repeating yeah. to make sure i've heard everything that like yeah. it became 
a narrative focus game for me in a way that I wasn't I wasn't necessarily expecting. Sure. I was, you know, but um, that's, but that's one of what the challenges, became. though, because you've you've mentioned there that you're going through the narrative options with them, but they were optional, and you had to talk to them out of the ship on the planets that you landed, and that's where the the most interesting conversations with those mm-hmm. characters came from, such as like you know, Sia's past or Grease's gambling debts and all these kinds of mm. things are what gave depth to the, the you know, the, the the secondary cast yeah. that aren't necessarily part of the main storyline. So if you didn't actively seek those out, I would imagine that it feels like not a lot is actually happening around Cal. Yeah, yeah, I did want to say, like you mentioned Mass Effect there, and and most of the the touchstones I see mentioned for this game, I think all have their place. We've already mentioned uh, Uncharted, Metroidvania type games. Metroid Prime was one that was mentioned. The Tomb Raider twenty thirteen reboot, the yeah. Souls like combat, but Mass Effect is actually one of the ones that I think is is most pertinent to the experience. Obviously, yeah. it's way more linear, way less uh, freeform, less kind of uh, fewer RPG aspects, although you know they're in there to an extent. But yeah, the the Mantis is much smaller, uh, but than the Normandy. But there's still that sense you get on board the ship with your crew and you chat to them and you fly from planet to planet, and it's definitely yeah. got that kind of vibe to it. And it's yeah, it's kind of a, a dream scenario for many of us kind of mm-hmm. kids who had our heads heads in in science fiction space rather than Apollo eleven kind of space. Yeah, yeah. I must say, I really enjoyed Night Sister Merrin as a character and. Although they come in quite late in the story, I was very pleased to hear that uh, they would be uh, featuring quite heavily in the sequel. Mm. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it was about Merrin, but there was, you know, there was some sort of nice juxtaposition between her seriousness and her humour. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the moment that you meet her, um, which you can go to quite early, because I know, because I did it <laughs> today, oh, okay. where because oh, you, yeah, yeah. you unlock uh, Dathomir, is it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. you can unlock that from from the the second world you go to, second planet. Um, that's that's true, actually. Yeah, it does depend on which. Um, yeah. um, she does have that playfulness to her, but also it's very clear from the way she acts. She's not a straight-up antagonist. She's not like the Inquisitors. She's not like the Empire. She has a personal stake in why she is so dead set against the Jedi. And obviously, you find that out through this game. But that fact means that it, it's it's easier to want to know more about her, I think, than, you know, when you see the Ninth Sister, it's like, well, this person's just coming to kill me. Honestly, it doesn't matter why. Whereas in her case, she technically doesn't want to kill you until you say, I'm not leaving. At which point she's like, well, okay, I'm not going to kill you, but I'm not going to make it any easier for you. I'm going to start putting roadblocks in your way. And, you know, there is a playfulness. There is a, she has a sense of being intrigued as to why Cal is there and not just wanting to kill him. And I think that's a really interesting dynamic that those two characters have. A um, couple of characters pop up who are, we have seen in other media. There's uh, Forrest Whitaker's Saw Gerrera um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and Tarful the Wookiee, who we saw mm-hmm. in episode three as well. Do, do we need it's to a, talk Wookiees yet or, or do we save that for Vicious? Save it for the graphics, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Taron Malikos is uh, at one point looks like maybe he's going to turn out to be the bigger bad, but he just mm-hmm. turns out to be another bad along the way, a fallen Jedi. A tragic story, but I knew there was something up with him as soon as he approached me in yeah. that random place. Uh, mildly fun, 
fairly memorable. Yeah. I was he's maybe the one the one antagonist or the one kind of story beat that I that I struggled to remember going through it again. You know, I was okay. thinking like like I know there's something here. I know there's mm. I know there's someone here that doesn't like me or or I <laughs> and then they said the name. I'm like that's the guy. You know, I was like you know yeah. long regular it hair, but feels was, like they could have fleshed him a bit more. So this is probably the most spoilery aspect. It had been spoiled for me just probably by a, a YouTube thumbnail or something like that. And there were lots of kind of implications as I was playing the game. The final confrontation, although it's not really a boss fight as such, is with Darth Vader at the peak of his powers. Um, it's really a running away thing more than a fight fight for obvious reasons. Uh, and uh, and I'd say it's, you know, it's pretty cool. It's fun. It's Darth Vader. But is it a bit of a cheat code throwing Darth Vader in the end of a Star Wars game? Or is it just like punch the airtime because it's Darth well, Vader? I think it makes sense in the law of Star Wars, given mm. the time before A New Hope. Yeah. It kind of makes sense are, that yeah. he would start to be known. Yeah. Um, for his they power, never name him you know, in the game, do they? He's never actually named. No, people don't really know who he is. But as far as far as an introduction of a villain, I thought it was actually an incredibly strong moment in the game because I didn't know it was. Coming. It's a well directed yeah. scene, yeah. and it, it was very well done. Yeah, and it, it does a what? What is? I think what I felt was most impressive about it is you feel that the second sister and Sia are very powerful. Yes, and then you see. Just how powerful Darth Vader is. Yeah. That's the exact thing I was going to say, Carl. It just, like, that moment of you have that battle with the second sister, and that's a hard fight, at least it was for me. I took a lot of attempts. And, it's and a brutal I, difficulty. Yeah, I, you know, when you're yeah. getting those parry timing down and everything, like, it's, it's a very difficult fight with a number of phases and everything else. And then to have him show up and just make, make you seem like a play toy after mm. that fight you just had was so fun. I didn't know that moment was coming. I played a lot of that game. I think I took a day off of work to play play this game. So I, I beat it relatively quickly after launch. And when I first, I kid you not, I heard that, I heard the breath, you know, I heard that, heard that hit. Yeah. I stood up out of my couch, a oh. literal punch the air moment. Like oh, the, literal, that yeah. moment for me is like a moment <laughs> of the generation. When I think of my Xbox One X oh, and the games I played on I it. I wish I hadn't had it spoiled now. I, yeah, <laughs> well, I, I was I actually shocked there, yeah. because uh, a, a friend of mine who, who listens to the show uh, was talking. We were talking about this recording kind of b- before it. And he was talking about how a mere two or three weeks after the game came out, Darth Vader appeared in some of the teaser commercials for it on TV. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I so, did hear that. Yeah. So I think I played it in maybe like a very short window where it could have been surprised, which is um, which which is fortunate for me and unfortunate for others because that this is a moment for me that is just like it's up there. It's on that. It's on that. You know, it's on a list somewhere in my brain of like, hey, remember when that happened? Unbelievable goosebumps you know? moment. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so I guess to answer your question, Leon, yes, it's a cheat code, but also it works. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, like the Konami code. I mean, it, and and uh, this is not long after they did the same in the films with Rogue One. So you know, yeah, and and we knew that that was a possibility with Rogue One because of when it was set and what it was around. But they still did the same at the end. So it's not like this is games cheating in ways that films don't. You know, it's the same cheat code, and it just yeah, it works. I also just wanted to give a shout out to uh, the actor for uh, the second sister, um, who I thought was actually uh, uh, Elizabeth Grullen, who's a, a, a thriller, Suduri. I actually thought yeah, uh, was a, was a, a good performance. Looks amazing in the, in the part as well. Um, the way they kind of, you know, give her that dark side snarl and whatever else, and uh, and yeah, and, a nice tragic villain. 
I thought. Um, Ashman86 from our forum said, I fell in love with the game's characters, especially Seer, Merrin and the second sister. And in exploring the game's different worlds, I liked the lonely atmosphere most, and especially the sense of danger that Dathomir offered, particularly when I visited the planet too early on in my journey at the advice of one of the developers on Twitter. Interesting. And the game's ending was as close to horror as anything I've ever gotten in a Star Wars game. That chase with Lord Vader was absolutely unforgettable. Uh, let's talk a bit more about the graphics. Um, obviously, we're running quite long because Star Wars, I guess. Um, mm. I always thought this was an interesting aspect of this game because uh, I think, especially with the the updates they did, and if you if you were lucky enough to have one of the half step consoles in the last gen, and you left the the non performance mode uh, on rather than the sixty frames a second mode, there's actually a reasonably nice looking game here, and occasionally a really pretty looking game. But there's yep. also some really weird yeah. like half finished looking bits, like the yeah. characters' pastry faces and yeah. the those plants that you bounce off of in on on kashik kind of some bits that look like i don't know sonic adventure or something it's yeah. It, yeah it's a it's a real weird a real weird mishmash and it has this very strange watercolor palette at times mm. over the top of things that are, are, are somewhat appealing but also seem to take away from the fidelity that i would have expected a lot more of this and then there's even between certain kinds of characters, certain ones look so much better than right, others. Yeah, yeah. And the odd thing is that Cal kind of falls into the mm. really off-looking characters, but then you get Grease actually looks pretty good. Yeah. Sia looks pretty good. Um, and it's just... And, and I think Triller is probably the last one that kind of rounds out the ones that I think they actually kind of nailed. And then everything else is just a little bit neither here nor there, a bit rushed, a bit... Unfinessed, and it's a bit strange because when you look at like Titanfall One, yeah. that was quite an artistically pretty game. Titanfall Two was very sharp; it upped the resolution, you know, because it wasn't just on the Xbox yes, One. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and then we get this, and it's just I expected more. And I remember my, my my best friend, who was very excited for this game, was immediately put off by that. He is a three D artist, in fairness, right, and right. that is a large part of it. And he, the game he was playing before that before this that he came into was Red Dead Redemption 2 ah, which mm. is kind of you could argue is probably still the bar for graphics even though it's last gen even now it's never had a 60 um, FPS update yeah yeah, so, that, that's painful isn't it and, and the fact that we had something that looked yeah. so pin sharp and so crisp this and was so a year later right Yeah, animated on the faces mm. and this a year later yeah. looked and it, it's an awful thing because we talk about this generationally, but it it looked like it was a generation before Red Dead Redemption Two. It was, or even you know those phases where we go through generations and we get those leaps, and it yeah. just didn't quite match what I would have expected and what its peers were definitely doing at that time. And it's even going back and you know playing it on the uh, PS4 Pro, playing it on the Xbox One X, playing it on the PS5. It just still wasn't there. Where it, it was underwhelming, I think is probably the, the yeah. nicest way of putting it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, I, I think the way I've kind of rationalised the highs and lows of this are is that well, it's two things. First of all, like you said, Carl, this has a feeling of a of a cross gen game where suddenly you've mm -hmm. got a lot more graphical grunt, but the artists haven't quite worked out how to make the best of it yet. So you kind of get upscaled, but not more detailed. 
um, textures in some cases. Um, and there's some stuff, I've mentioned the Wookiees, there's some stuff in this game that looks, I think, pretty bad. And that kind of pulls it yeah. back into feeling like a last-gen game, even though it came out at the end of, very close to the end of, um, what is now last gen, but at mm. the time was a, a you know we were, we had in theory 4K gaming with uh, Xbox One X and PS4 Pro, um, and and actually playing it on Steam Deck, one of the great things in that is in order to get it remotely stable 40 frames per second, mm. everything has to be set to medium, all of the toggles get toggled off, so you get this kind of stripped back version of it, and I think yeah, it yeah. might maybe it's an Unreal Engine thing where. The actual bare bones of the game they made is quite simplistic. Like any section where you go back to the training rooms to learn like wall running and stuff. Mm -hmm. That looks like it might be a Star Wars game from 10 years prior. And all mm -hmm. like that's a really harsh thing to say. I'm not saying it's a badly made or bad looking game, but the bare bones of what they have is very simple. And then what they've done is put on a lot of like picked and chosen where they want the, the really high quality textures and yeah. put on a lot of effects over the top and lighting yeah. effects and, and graphical yeah. effects to make it look really nice in some places, in some yeah. ways. 100%. But yeah. the bare bones of what they have there is yeah. is kind of, like, starkly uh, I don't know. Sort of maybe different. Yeah, sorry, James. Maybe, maybe, they, no, no, maybe it was a, a, a time and budget allocation issue in some cases, because obviously they had the skills to make... Yeah to make those bits that did look great look great and as mm -hmm. i say if, if you turn the performance mode off you get a you get i think a sort of su substantially better looking game in and mm -hmm. static terms but as you say it's very selective as to what looks good and it's there's some yeah like for example you mentioned the wookies earlier they you look at the hair on uh on grease and you're going yeah that's cool especially again yeah. if you turn off the performance mode you get a better you get better fuzz you get proper yeah. hair tech um but the Wookies, oh my goodness, they look yeah, like they look like Xbox so One Wookies. <laughs> so bad, yeah. yeah. And uh, and some of the textures, you're just going, woo. And it's actually mm. they're actually that kind of off the standard of of what we expect. That it was actually yeah, yeah deleterious to the overall effect, which is which is a real shame. Like obviously, it didn't ruin the game completely, no. but it does leave you no. coming away no. going, that was a bit weirdly inconsistent. It yeah. it reminds me a lot of the original Uncharted game uh, oh, in yeah. that. The tight spaces, the rooms, the uh, what was the downed starship on on Zepho Venator, whatever the oh yeah like the, the optional spaceship. area yeah. yeah so like the areas that were tight where they knew that the vigils were going to be in close like um I think particularly the rooms on Bagano where you're kind of going through and seeing where the where the people had lived prior like the those details and vigils in the closed spaces I thought were incredible. But then you get to out to where it's kind of more, in big air quotes, open world, or at least open mm. area. Mm. And when the visual became more distant from the character model, I felt like it just, whether it was a time constraint or it's a first-time response making it to yeah, game yeah. quite yeah. like this, whatever yeah. the reasoning, it just, as the detail didn't need to be there, it kind of got lost in the sauce. And I, I agree with Carl, it did mm. kind of acquire that almost watercolory feeling to it. Um and I just felt like when when the areas were going to be particularly defined by a narrative or by just tight space constraint of the location, mm. you'd see all those little details of the interior of the starship, like you know, like the the signs that there was life here once, or that people used to work here, or whatever. But then when you were just exploring the planet of Zepho, like going through the caves for the eleven thousandth time, and that mm. weird sludge like texture on the slide <laughs> you're going down, like like <laughs> it got it would lose there. It was all it was like a it, it was almost like um 
It was it was a dichotomy of, of visual issues for me where in some mm-hmm. areas I was like, wow, look at this. In other areas I was like, yeah. oh, man, yeah. look at this. Yeah. It's so it's so weird like that. Yeah, it's, it's a real I think a mixed bag should be probably be our uh, summing up. And definitely f- f- first direct comparison to the sequel, having spent a few hours with it uh, much. Obviously, there again, there are some technical issues, especially with. Uh, at the moment this overly aggressive drs on the performance mode but if you again if you play it in fidelity mode or equivalent um it's a whole other level and uh i walked out into a vista in the in the new game yesterday and was like wow <laughs> like that's yeah. proper that's proper proper graphics yeah. yeah i think some good direction does mask some of the issues mm. in the mm. in, in fallen order yeah uh things like that i mean the very first introductory level does probably look better than a lot of the rest of the game. But when I'm thinking, you know, when he's mm. sat on the train and you've got the shadows piling in yep. and you've got the people that disappear and suddenly you're back um, oh, yeah, sort in, of in the old training area. Yeah, that, that is really well directed. Mm. Obviously, the bit with Vader is really well directed. Quite a lot of the bits when Triller comes in because he starts to use, like, colour because I think most yeah. of the areas it uses, like, that purple light around Triller, it uses the red light around Vader. Mm. And it kind of, when that control is almost taken away from you or you're forced into a linear spot, the direction takes over to show you something in a certain way that, that I think surpasses mm. when it doesn't have that, you know, that, that constraint in place. And that is a little bit disappointing because the direction in a lot of areas of this game is actually very good. It's kind of the graphical technical infrastructure underneath that kind of Fails. I almost and want it, to say it's the areas of the game where you're in the darker sections. They yeah, have to yeah. think about the lighting, and that actually yeah. makes a huge difference. Because yeah, yes. the Darth Vader bit, the the last level where you're in inside for a lot of it, and the opening level where it's nighttime for you know almost all of it. Yeah, those all the lighting does so much to lift that mm. those environments and to re- to really give you know yeah. contrast between shadows and light. Whereas when you go to the first planet afterwards to go find the vault, it is just kind of wide open, sort of. Flat. It's like yeah. what a photographer would call bad light. You know, mm-hmm. there's just mm-hmm. nothing to it. It's just flat light. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and at any time you have to use your lightsaber to light up a room, it yeah. automatically looks nicer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Alex79 from the forum says the locations were mostly dull with a few interesting exceptions. And I wasn't keen on having to revisit the same few planets multiple times, which, again, maybe the the relatively low number of actual locations and not massive maps, not tiny, but not massive is also a kind of betrayal of the game's original scope. And uh, it does seem odd that a Star Wars game by EA and Respawn would have a relatively modest scope. But then, you know, game budgets are absolutely astronomical these days. And if they weren't confident in it necessarily, it is quite possible that they were constrained Mm. in terms of time and budget. It's not like Disney were just saying, here's a billion dollars, make the best game you possibly (laughs) can and do take five years over it. (laughs) The going back and forth is actually something that, I think I enjoyed half the time. Mm. So I think Kashyyyk does a really bad job of it mm-hmm. because Kashyyyk is relatively linear in a long direction. So you don't like sloping, like... sliding down mud slopes over and over again, well, like some kind of Sonic it's, the Hedgehog. It's kind of the return back. There's a point where you have to overcommit and then end up in the tree. And like that kind <laughs> of stuff was very frustrating <laughs> in a linear direction, yeah. but yep. it does it in a way to unlock chests, I guess, with. Yeah. 
abilities that you've later developed to be able to do these things. It's that kind of yeah. you haven't unlocked that skill to get here yet that you know we, yeah. we love Metroid for. And at times, I think Kashyyyk's a little bit clumsy, but then I think Bagano does quite a good job of it. And what's the um, Zepho? Yeah, I, I really think Zepho does the best job of it. Then I think Dathomir and Kashyyyk kind of don't quite nail it in the same regard, and they felt like chores going mm. back through. Yeah. And I actually felt, you know, obviously I've done the game 100% twice, mm. and I really felt it the second time. I was like, this just... But at least I was aware, I know I can't get that yet, and I'll be back for it. But it, I really didn't like going back through uh, Dathomir and, and, and Kashyyyk compared to the others. Yeah, We've... I think there's a, there's a, a problem with... Um not knowing first time you go through. Like in a Metroid game, you come up to a door or something and you yeah, just look at it and think, clear. I can't get this yet, I'll come back. With this, it's not quite clear. Even on the um, mm-hmm. the the first, the uh, I forget the name of the planet, but where you're looking for the vault, um, I got turned around so many times. I just got, I just got lost. And with um, Kashyyyk and Dathomir a little bit, there are too many sections where there's a point, there's, there's no return. And it's like every... 100 yards there's another point of no return so if you go past that point it's like well i'm committed now i'm gonna to have to go around in a large loop to get yep. back to where i actually wanted to go and it start as you say carl starts to feel like a chore and that that mm. really doesn't work in that way whereas with metroid if i go the wrong way usually i can just kind of probably turn around and go back and retrace steps here in a lot of cases you can't and the slides don't help with that because they feel like oh great i'm going through this section again yeah can't wait to to fall off this slight hundred times. <laughs> I think part of that too, that where I found my frustration was that there would be some areas where you would literally, the visual language wasn't good enough. You weren't sure if you could get through it or not. Like, yep. do I have the ability to make this jump? To, is that a wall I can run on? Is this some, is this a, a rope that I can pull towards myself? Or is the game going to do that thing where it, like maybe I could actually get there, but it's going to phase me out and give me the death animation and then kick me back. Yeah. And so I'd be trying the same jumps maybe one or two times, not sure if I couldn't get there yet or if I just screwed it up the first time. And then like, and then you combine that which the map with the map, which we'll talk about. But like it, it there's a lot of navigation issues there. And I think that when the Metroid comparisons come in, as you made James, which I think are are are, are very appropriate because of there's ability based gating, right? You know, you can't get through this door until you have X, right? But the good, the, where that juxtaposes against other games of that ilk is that there's not a lot of communication at any point to whether or not I can now do this versus no, I have to do something else first. Mm. And this is something that we've now come to criticize in games where you're playing a Horizon Forbidden West and you're w- looking at a wall and Aloy's like, oh, I can, looks like I can <laughs> yeah. climb this. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay, cool, thanks. But like, it, there's, it does there's have a, a, middle a hint ground. system, doesn't it? But you can actually yeah. refuse to ask for them, or you right. can just ignore it. Yeah, yeah, which it's, is a it's, bit different. It's, it's probably an impossible needle to thread. It's just, th- but this one certainly didn't thread it because now playing through it again for the, th- I mean, the third time, kind of halfway through, uh, I'm feeling that even more over right. over the last couple of years. Yeah, it was only a couple of points where there were sort of cracks in the wall. You know, famous loading cracks. Luckily, they actually filled those with some really quite excellent animation of clambering um which <laughs> which made them far more interesting to me than the usual kind of slow shimmy uh sometimes a yep. uh, cow will hook his legs over or sometimes he'll separate from bd1 and and all this kind of thing but yeah it was just literally a couple of times i couldn't yeah like i didn't know there was a way forward because the crack was kind of blending into the into yeah. the environment which maybe 
authentic and realistic, but not very game friendly. And I noticed the first crack in the game I saw in the sequel got a big arrow on it. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's how they solved that problem. They painted an arrow on the wall. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, get further into the gameplay talk by starting off with Hal from our Patreon who says uh, on paper a game like this hits all the marks souls like combat check metroidvania exploration check all of this wrapped within the star wars universe check however after playing the game i can't say all these were fully realized the environments and music were well crafted to feel like a lived-in part of star wars of the star wars franchise combat was fluid and integrated force abilities well but a lack of enemy variety and underwhelming boss fights leave room for improvement uh, Mark FM 007 says the levels might be my favorite aspect. They're very well crafted, fun to explore and full of hidden secrets. The only downside is the atrocious map, which I gave up on. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk about locomotion. The the one thing that I've wanted to say the whole time through playing this is that. Ultimately, the control is perfectly serviceable and workable. Mm. But why did I always feel like Cal was like stumbling off balance all the yep. time it's it's <laughs> like, the uncharted three effect of uncharted three yeah, right. exactly you just have to be grabbing onto something or commenting yeah, yeah it's definitely super there. tactile yeah 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 uh it, i mean it sort of makes sense because he's kind of he's not trained and he's over eager and he's young and all this stuff but it felt yeah. more like yeah. you know if i if I, as a, an, an unfit 50-year-old, kind of, you know, go running, it's like I'm not really fully in control of my body. Um, <laughs> yeah. And obviously it gets better as the game goes on because you get your double jump and all, all those other cool things. But whenever you're just running, just trotting, he's like kind of lurching from side, like he's a bit drunk or something. Yeah. It's very odd. Yeah, it's a bit of an odd yeah. animation. You can, yeah, it definitely is. You compare that to like an Ezio animation where yeah. Ezio is, is engineering like meniscus tearing cuts at every corner, <laughs> you know, just, just, just yeah. absolutely spinning around places and Kale does feel like if there's a rock he's going to trip on it for sure. <laughs> uh, there's also an aspect to um he doesn't there's that that aspect of um you know sometimes you push the analog stick to move and the character doesn't quite start immediately and then you let yeah. go and they don't quite stop immediately he has that kind of feel to him as well mm. there's a looseness to that movement yeah maybe entirely intentional but yeah i think it, so that comes through, I think, in the combat as well, which we'll come on to. But for the locomotion, there is that aspect of this isn't quite as tightly controlling as maybe yeah. I would want it to be. That's probably a choice because of who Cal is and he's learning yeah. and, you know, you want him making mistakes and a player shouldn't That's be it. able to yeah. Sony legend their way through this game. You can, but, you know, you shouldn't feel that way straight off the bat. But it certainly sort of uh, drags it away because of the... Uh ostensibly mechanically and in in terms of uh sort of tactics and strategies ostensibly souls like combat actually of course the thing in in those games especially as 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 they've gone on over the years thinking about elden ring you've got this highly precise character movement mm. that needs to be yeah. that precise whereas cal's kind of a bit like way way all over the place mm. um <laughs> yeah. i mean uh, it's it, how many things do you need to slide down in a game? Well? <laughs> I know, like, it's ridiculous. He, he, it's... he does it right from the off all the way to the end yeah. of the game. He, I mean, in, he he must have done at least 10 more slides down on his backside than I've done in my yeah. lifetime, and I'm nearly 40. Oh, it's just such a strange mechanic that's such yeah. a core mechanic to that game. And it just felt like it was out of some old, I don't know, like obviously it wouldn't have been in 3D, but it felt like an old Amiga platform game or something like that. Yeah. Like, it didn't feel like a cool Star Wars dude 
obviously some of the some of the uh, actual sequences of running off wall jumping sucking a rope towards you yep. double jumping clinging onto a platform that swings around and then flipping off and grabbing another ledge all that that was there was some pretty fun sort of parkourish with force yep. kind of sequences but also the sliding down the mud slopes yes. was like oh goodness yeah i think this is kind of part of my my issue with the the locomotion in general is that you can feel like you're like Cal is, is becoming a, a badass um, and and your stringing wall runs together and it's never quite there, but he always pulls it off. But then there's times where you just don't hit the left trigger at the right time. You just don't jump at the right time. You jump a little too early, as Brian, you mentioned earlier. And yeah. it it just looks like prat falling. And, yeah. and I, you know, there's nothing wrong with having gravity be an, an enemy in the game, you know, 50% of my Dark Souls deaths are to gravity. They just are because I just do that. That's just the way it goes. Yeah. Um, and that's not necessarily a problem. But here, it just feels like you're you're almost a badass. You almost string the moves together. And then the button inputs are just complex enough. The controls are just loose enough that it goes awry. And the, number of, and the sliding mm. is where that kind of comes in. The number of times you're sliding and it's like, oh, I just got a fraction too close to the edge. Now yep. I'm just falling down lose a chunk of health and put back to the beginning of a yeah. section i don't want to be doing anyway there's that particularly bad section i can't remember if it's leading up to or directly after the ninth sister fight where you're at kashik um and you're going down the tree slide and yeah. it's just there are multiple sections of that where i for whatever reason i i was hitting jump too early too late and and i was getting to the point where i was second guessing myself so much that I wasn't sure what the right way to do it was. And it just, it was one of those sections that, like, it, it it added nothing. It wasn't additive to the experience, you know? Like, I understand you need to make a quick escape, and it needs to be kind of this, you know, fast-paced thing. I, I completely get that. I knew what they were going for. Yeah. But you had that sliding thing, and not to just beat the world's deadest horse, but, like, <laughs> it's just, it, it, it did nothing aside from give me the eye roll, here we go again sequence, when, yeah. at, like yeah. James said, I should feel like, I'm this really powerful, absolutely, you know, ass kicking type of character. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Uh, but Not Crash just... Bandicoot. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It reminded me more of, uh, within the cinematic language of Star Wars, it, 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 unfortunately, things like bouncing from those kind of rubbery plants on, on Kashyyyk <laughs> from one to the other. I was just thinking of some of the, some of my least favorite moments of the prequel trilogy, the the yeah. most CGI heavy moments where nothing had any tangibility or weight, and and it all looked a bit yeah. artificial. And yeah, it did. It, it may be authentic to some aspects of Star Wars, but the aspects of Star Wars that I like the very least. Yeah. yeah. Fortunately, that probably isn't what you spend most of your time doing. However, you do spend a reasonable amount of time looking at your map. Now, I just wanted to. Uh, I'm possibly going to be the the, the devil's advocate here in a way, but I actually got on with the map in this game pretty fine. It reminded me of the Metroid Prime map. And I quite like the fact that it wasn't too specific about where I had to go and what I had to do. It gives you sort of coloured hints as to your next uh, yeah. path, where you should head next. And beyond that, it was kind of up to you, along with the optional hint system to sort of work out how to get there. Um, I don't think, I think there was maybe one puzzle in the game I looked up because it was, uh, it was, I didn't think it was well signposted enough or I missed something, I missed some lever or platform or whatever. 
Um, but overall, yeah, I, I I know a lot of people had major problems with the map. Brian, you, you implying yeah. that that that's that's one of your bugbears with the game? Yeah, for sure. I, I think part of it has to do with um, what um, I believe Carl mentioned earlier with the big, or maybe it was James, with the big loop uh, around some of the planets, either Kashyyyk or Zepho, mm. where you'd start down a path and you wouldn't have a way back up, particularly with the slides and things like that. Yeah. But the the game map didn't indicate that this was a one-way hallway. So you'd go down the map, and I'd be like, oh, i got to get over there. And then I'd find, these, I'd find myself elevation-wise about off by about a, you know 500 feet, <laughs> yeah. but I was in the correct location. Yeah, and I found, myself, sure. I found myself doing that a lot. Now, that could possibly just be because I have a poor sense of direction in both real life and video games. Like mm-hmm. um, the game Control, which is a game that I love, I was absolutely terrible with that because of the same reason my sense of direction is just poor mm. um but i felt like it was a little unforgiving in that aspect and once or twice is one of those things is like ah you know i screwed up but then when it's time 8 12 15 that this happens like oh man i just want to get to the thing yeah. i just want to get to the yeah. icon and yeah. um i i found myself particularly on my um second playthrough being way less patient with that just because the yeah, first yeah. time through i'm I'm just content, and Leon, you talked about it before. I'm I'm a Jedi. I'm running around like, oh, I get to fight this bug again. Cool. Like, like every time you hit that lightsaber and the sound comes out, there's yep. some part of my brain that just fires <laughs> off a firework and says USA, and guns are firing in the air, and I'm eating, you know, like <laughs> raw meat while on top of Mount Rushmore. You know what I mean? Like whatever. Um, but uh, uh, most of those things don't bring me actual pleasure. But um, anyway, <laughs> they it does that thing to your brain. But the second time through, the third time through, it's just kind of like I, I want to be there. And uh, yeah. I felt yeah. like my own failings were only uh, exacerbated by the quality of the map. Yeah, I think as well, if you're someone that wants to go and get all the trophies or all the achievements out of something, that's where in this game the map, kind of really becomes a frustration because it doesn't do a good job of signposting things like the vines for clearing yeah, gaps. Right. So from the map, it makes no sense how you would get from here to there. And then sometimes it's quite hard to even see in the environments. And then as you know, Brian's already kind of mentioned, there's times where it's actually really quite hard to gauge even that distance. And then you've got to pull the vine towards you and you can't make sense of that. But then there's also the fact that you've got to explore every area and, there's a lot of people out there that have probably gone for the achievements or the trophies listening to this that will have experienced things like 98% explored, and you're like, where is that 2%? Why aren't you telling me? And it's a strange little hole in a cliff face that you can't see on the map. And, you know, maps are a really interesting thing in games, right? Mm. Because games can live or die by a quality of a map. I mean, Doom 2016, fantastic 3D map, did a great job with the colours and you know, I always look back at something like Resident Evil Remake from 2002, mm-hmm. I, I yeah. think, that coloured the rooms based upon yeah. you You can yeah. get in there, but you haven't got everything out of the room, and now it's you've, it, now you've seen you've got everything in the room. But then, obviously, Brian's mentioned the, con, the, the contrast to this in Control that also got panned. But I was a lot more patient with that map because it felt like it made sense in that environment that you were supposed supposed to read the signs and you're in the complicated office that doesn't make sense so i kind of forgave it in that game whereas i found it somewhat unforgivable in this game and just really really frustrating to be able to find those things like understand where those logs were where Mm. those um 
those chests and crates were and and obviously just the exploration alone so those kind of those three things that you're going for and there was a the second playthrough was less frustrating for me because i remembered a lot yeah. mm-hmm. of those little um hidden it's just like, about nooks. getting the right gap between your playthroughs isn't it <laughs> yeah exactly and i i happened to absolutely nail it i yeah. think between between these two but definitely on that first playthrough oh it, if I was playing off a disc, I reckon I would have ejected it and thrown it, which has only ever <laughs> happened on one other game ever in history, which, for anyone that's curious, it's Pro Evolution 6, because that game was like a buggy state on the Xbox 360. I launched it, shattered the disc into bits, and then went straight back on the game and ordered another yeah. one. Uh, I think I think Konami are the only ones winning there, Carl. I don't... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so... It's the difference between a map that you want to use to navigate and a map that you want to use to just point orient yourself, if that makes sense. So yes. I don't think this map's terribly good if you want to track your progress through the map and like say, right, I'm going down here, up there, along there, through here. I basically stopped using the map for anything other than where's my objective or where's the thing I want to go to, but that may right. be a, a, a locked off door or whatever. Let me just point my character in the right direction. Check on the map. Yeah, I'm pointing in the right direction. Right, forget the map. I'm going this way. And that's essentially probably, I, I think, what I use the map in like Metroid Prime for as well. Yeah, is just exactly. Which door, from this room, which door do I go through? Because it's a bunch sure. of linear routes yeah. that link up different hubs. So as long as I'm headed in the, out the right door, forget the map. The map's useless to me now. I don't think this map represents the 3D space particularly well at all for exploring mm. the space mm. if you just want to mm. orient yourself and then just go and learn yeah and it. i enjoy learning the space myself anyway you know souls games don't have maps at all that's fine with me because as long as i know which direction i'm headed i then build up the map in my head yeah the, the this this right? map when i tried landmarks. to interpret it just broke my understanding of the world so i just stopped using it for that i just started using it for right i'm going that way which which I think is a nice way to use it, and I would say that for the majority of the game, that mm. kind of works, yep. except when you need to get into the big puzzle vaults that yep. are hidden. Yeah. So is it is it? I can't which remember what it is with all the, the windy tomb mm. that's underneath. Is it, I was is just it, thinking um, about that. I, I, Zephyr, I really like that. Finding that yep. was a nightmare using that map. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh I don't think I can't, I don't recall ever getting horrifically lost in the game, and uh, I, I could yeah I could be misremembering, but um, between between the the information the map offered and the clues in the environment, I did get there. But yes, I think it's telling that in the sequel uh, they're literally daubing arrows on the wall to point mm. to point you off. Also, to go. not to just talk about the sequel, it also has the kind of traveler's path thing from uh, Breath of the Wild it where it has a little yellow trail yeah. of where you just came from yeah. so you could kind of see. So they've they've made some yeah. changes yeah. for sure. Rick Buxton from our Patreon says, I was pleasantly surprised when trying this on Game Pass given I'd heard a fair amount of negativity around it. It had a cracking intro that drew me into the narrative and the enjoyably smooth traversal. The combat was very satisfying at times, particularly when successfully chaining together a cinematic sequence of moves, but could also be frustrating, possibly due to my own ineptitude. My enthusiasm sharply tapered off somewhere on an annoying lava planet, and I never completed it. I enjoyed it more than expected, though, and the sequel looks promising. Out now. 
Yeah, you mentioned that room. That's possibly one of the the standout puzzle rooms for me. Are you talking about the one with the multiple balls that you have to kind of yes. in, uh, force pull and push around the environment and uh, work out which one needs to go where so you can then put the next one in the thing and ultimately you're activating a, a lift to get higher in the, in the chamber. Uh, it was, I, I think for me that was probably the standout puzzle chamber in the game. And the, the thing I like about it uh, is that it is a bit more Metroid-y than the sort of Uncharted route which is not always this but quite often you walk into a room in uncharted and you basically the game stops for you to do a puzzle whereas you know you stop moving you're you're moving you're just you're literally only interacting with the puzzle mechanics for a while uh, i always find that kind of a bit of a pace killer i don't mind it and if the puzzle's fun the puzzle's fun whatever but this i i quite like because there was the whole actually environmental puzzle solving with your powers that you've got rather than it just being a look at the look at the book and put the thing in put the right thing in the hole or make the shape or you know that kind of thing were there were there any others that um people enjoyed actually satisfied solving i don't remember there being a whole ton of them maybe is it like one per planet maybe yeah i think I, one planet has two on and then right. i think the rest right. of it. so the the puzzle in this game to me that that stands out isn't actually one of the ball puzzles or any like probably wasn't like a sophisticated like puzzle room like you're describing it's kind Mm -hmm. of like the puzzle that is working out the path on dathomir um like the the navigation on that planet and kind of the getting back and forth and finding where to find Marin and um oh yeah i I forgot his name taron malikos there it is yeah yeah. um yeah like puzzling out that like the the natural kind of puzzles that evolve out of how do i get from a to b yeah were way more meaningful to me than Mm. the the ball puzzles i didn't think they were particularly bad there's the the, there's Mm. the good ones with the the waterfall there and um yeah uh on uh i think it's on zepho um it might be begano i can't remember um the one with the torches yes you've got to try and burn the vines away Oh yeah, and the uh, that, magnet, the wall magnet stuff. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Those, I think they were they were good, but like you said, Leon, they were they were mixed in with combat arenas. Like you're going from place to place, and mm. you stumble across a few animal or a few creatures that are hostile or some Me enemies killing. and things. And yeah, <laughs> I mean exactly. Bit of platforming. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I did like how they were paced out, and and every part of this game kind of felt like some sort of riddle I had to solve, some more significant or or uh, in intricate than others, and and. And I felt there was always something waiting for me on the other end, whether it was, and I found this out a lot, actually, that I'd be solving a puzzle and getting to a place and I'd find out there was just a chest there or maybe an optional enemy. And it wasn't even the way I was supposed to go. It was just kind of, I found this little crevice off to the side and like, oh, hey, look at this. And I found that all pretty satisfying and really naturally, naturally placed within my own core path of what I needed to do. BC, Brian, if the map had been better, the Dathomir puzzling through the environment maybe That's wouldn't have I'm been as saying. No, it no, wouldn't have been as good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um I, I realize that I, I, I want what I can't have and I have what I can't want. So. <laughs> uh so true. Also how hidden could those tombs have been if they were on the map? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, indeed. Someone knew about yeah. them. Very true. Uh yeah, so the main reason to kind of map comb if you're not just into collectibles or trophies or achievements is to get the the maximum number of stims, of which there are 10 in the game. Is that right? 10? Uh, I can't remember. I had, all, sure. I had all but one. Nine, is it? Maybe it's I nine. I had nine. Yeah, I had all but one, um, essentially because I was forewarned by uh, yourself, I think, Carl, and, and possibly Chris Worthington on our Slack channel that the 
the the final boss was a challenge and uh and indeed it just so happened that i actually kind of found the extra two stims that i needed and i can't remember how many of them i used in the end not as maybe i didn't need every single one but yeah that final boss battle is is a yeah it's a bit of a spike um mm. and yes having the having the extra health will mean that you can make more errors essentially not be perfect Tolkien Taters from the forum says Fallen Order feels like an okay game that could have a good sequel. Basically, everything about it is average from the Sekiro light combat to the story to the visuals. Unfortunately, the movement and platforming can be pretty janky. It seems to be almost entirely inspired by the 2013 Tomb Raider reboot in terms of structure, which feels a little odd for a Star Wars game. I think Respawn didn't quite have the resources to achieve their vision and struggled to properly pace a longer experience. Hopefully the sequel remedies a lot of those issues. Well, the reviews are 4% higher on average, so... <laughs> yeah. And Tomb Raider 2013 was actually a really, I really good reboot. I really like Tomb Raider 2013. Oh, yeah. I, I really like that game. I love that game. Yeah, so... Uh, so, yeah, actually the last main topic we're going to hit is uh, is about the, the enemies and the weapons and the combat, which is obviously a big part of the deal, especially because it involves lightsabers uh it sounds great and on the ps5 it feels great probably still on the other formats as well but maybe a bit less so um it's obviously stylized and animated and yeah it possibly does take some uh, certainly in terms of the killing the last thing that killed you to get your health back if not your souls and and your collected uh yeah, I suppose it is the equivalent because you, you've got your kind of upgrade bar that you're constantly filling by killing stuff and discovering stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's got the thing where you meditate in certain spots and the enemies all respawn and you can do that as much as you want and you can actually go off and grind a bit if you like to fill out your skill tree. Um, But yes, this might kick us off talking about it a bit more. Magical Isopod from the forum says, I've seen people talk about this game like it's a Tesco brand Dark Souls wannabe. And I have to say, I'm not sure where that idea comes from. It seems to be that every game with a dodge roll or parry system is now considered a Souls-like. And I feel like that really sells this game short. It's an action exploration game with a solid combat system. It's not trying to be brutally hard or overly reliant on quick inputs like the Dark Souls games are. And I wish gaming spaces could respect the game for what it is instead of citing it for slighting it for something that it was never trying to be. Point of contention. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I, I read this comment earlier today and I had to go and check myself on this because part of the reason I wanted to play this game <laughs> yeah. was that I heard before release people saying this is going to be like Dark Souls E in some ways. Yeah. And so I thought, well, it must have been previews then. And mm. I know when several previews all mention the same thing, sometimes it's a marketing thing. It's mm -hmm. a bullet point they've been told they can mention. So I thought, okay, maybe this wasn't the developers. Maybe this was marketers. <laughs> they picked Dark Souls because this was very much at a time where everything wanted to say we're like Dark Souls. And I'm about to say I'm guilty of that too. We'll get there. But oh yeah, we did a quick Google. <laughs> the developers, the combat designer was straight, lead combat designer was <laughs> yeah. straight up saying, no, absolutely. Yeah, Dark Souls is a touch point for this. And as you've just mentioned, Leon, it's not just the combat. It's not just dodge and parry. It's the checkpointing it's yeah. the losing your xp and mm -hmm. none of those things are exclusive to dark souls and it's disingenuous to say that dark yeah. souls even 
popularized, let alone created any of those things. But, the but it's a handy shorthand. Yeah, it's a handy shorthand, and the combination of these elements together at the time this game comes yeah. out, it. I'm sorry, I have to disagree yeah. with Magical Isopod here. Yeah, I, I don't want to use it as a stick to beat this game, and, and no. I get the pushback on that, but absolutely this game takes inspiration from that the devs have said so um and and sadly to me in terms of the combat Mm. if i treat it like oh this is going to be like dark souls tesco brand dark souls is exactly what i would describe this yeah yeah yeah. that's unfair (laughs) because it's not and, and the reason i said earlier to you uh leon that um i wonder if really good haptics would would be helpful with the combat is Part of the problem I have with this game's combat is it feels very lightweight, hmm. and when I sit when I say that, like hmm. one of the things about Dark Souls is, yes, you have to be precise with your inputs. Yes, you've got very uh, very precise control over your character, but the weight of impact of your sword on an enemy and their sword on you, or however they're attacking you, there is a weight that comes with that, and a lot of it is is audio and and visual yeah. cues and stuff, and it, it's not haptics in your hand but that feeds back to the player that mm. you're going to have to be deliberate with this and this game it because it feels very swishy in terms of the combat and as a lightsaber mm. it's entirely understandable why yeah it does feel swishy and that means it it can trick me into feeling like it's a looser combat experience than it probably is mm. but there is this aspect of i frequently lost lock on and was kind of just randomly mashing to dodge when I wasn't really sure if I was, and that just doesn't happen in Dark Souls that way. Like mm. the camera will still mess you up, but you just don't lose lock on that easily mm. in the Dark Souls game. And it just meant that I was yeah. often frustrated with the way this game almost felt like that, but didn't. And yeah, that probably that's not fair. fair way to approach nah, this game. I think but it's fair. The, the devs and the marketing absolutely lent on this is going to be like Dark. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not a purist. Like like James's, uh, you know. I mean, James J- James's middle name is from Soft, so you know he, he kind of does love what they create. But I do wholeheartedly agree with that feel of the combat that I never felt that risk reward element of the combat of what do I do? Do I do I back off? Do I guard? Do I block? Do I parry? Do I take this attack? Do you know that I do whenever I play? Um, any from soft game, yeah. um, you know, whether it's you know the high risk of something like Sekiro or something that's you know maybe <laughs> a little bit more forgiving, mm. uh, that I, it does feel like like a cheap Souls esque yeah. game, or unrefined, and, I would say, rather than cheap, yeah, unpolished, yeah, which which a lot of the a lot of elements of the game are, as we've already discussed. It yeah, like yeah. it, it yeah. feels like it could have done with another six months of polish. Yeah. It does, but I'm not going to use that as a stick to beat sure. it with either because it does make the game somewhat more accessible for a wider mm, audience. Absolutely, yeah. Except for, as I've already kind of stated, that brutal difficulty curve that you suddenly get at the end boss. Yeah. Mm. But the rest of the game, it felt like there wasn't really a whole heap of challenge. That's not to say it's not cool because, it's. let's be honest, it's never not going to be cool to we- fire back. Yeah. Yeah. rounds back oh, at stormtroopers yeah. like that yeah. never gets it's great. always cool <laughs> and, and i should and i will i will emphasize just one more time playing with a dual sense is highly recommended for haptic yeah. feedback it really yeah. does uh, for me elevate the experience quite dramatically I, to the point that i switched formats like that's yeah. that's how much difference it made yeah. but 
I don't disagree with anything you've said in terms of the combat feeling a little bit sloppy and and you know it's 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 fine and it works within a metroidvania star wars game it's not you know it was never a problem i've actually my my new game plus i've actually played on the highest difficulty level just to mm. see if it's more sure. yeah. soulsian um and the thing is it still feels a little wobbly and imprecise and cow's still a yeah. bit off balance and whatever and but it's still okay like it's still i've still managed to um you know progress um it's just yeah don't expect uh sort of elden yeah. ring levels of of depth and complexity and whatever you're you're gonna have a lightsaber you're gonna have the moves you've got at any particular point um yeah. most of the time it's responsive most of the animations are cool but it's yeah it's just a bit scrappy in some ways i guess uh, yeah. a game that i, I would think... compare it to and it's not going to be the last time i compare it to this game is god of war 2018 that's another game that when it was in hmm. pre-release was kind of like oh this combat feels less original god of war more kind of maybe soulsy ish mm. um i had the, the issue i had uh w- with this game in terms of the combat was times it felt really cool to to have force powers and to be dynamically using them and to be parrying and then attacking and you know it's ne- it's never going to be not cool to use a lightsaber to to steal free <laughs> someone else's phrase um but the moment to moment didn't feel as cool as it felt if I did something cool in a boss fight. Like yeah. the enemies I was fighting didn't feel like they were deliberately put in place for me to be able to practice and learn something cool about the combat system in a way that like a devil may cry would do, or frankly, in the way that souls games do. Mm. Um, it felt like, Oh, here's a bunch of animals. I kind of wish I could just run past them. Can I? Yeah, I can just run past the pools of poison. They're spitting at me. I never felt like cool. Another chance to do combat in the open worlds, in the in the levels. If you crank um, it up to maximum difficulty, I'll tell you and, now. And those, I did that those, so those, much. I, those goat aliens that yeah, take yeah. you out in one butt. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, and and that 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 was one that I had a hard time with as well yeah, yeah. when I was playing the game. I was playing with difficulty level so much, and another thing that I did with God of War twenty eighteen, trying to find, trying the, to find that yeah. sweet spot where yeah. I wouldn't just be frustrated. At yeah. every mini boss and boss and i would also feel there was satisfaction from the moment to moment fights i never found the sweet spot and i never found a way to push it down for bosses and up for you know it, it just didn't quite um work that way which which is a shame but but equally well it felt really cool so again like graphics like the the way they've uh designed the world like the map there's stuff there that's really good about it and for a sequel, I have a lot of hope that they can clean, polish, and really refine some of this stuff because it felt like they'd, and not to spoil some of my summary, they'd cobbled together aspects of a few different games that they wanted to, explicitly yeah. wanted to draw inspiration from. They'd just not kind of sandpapered out some of the cracks and seams and sort of smoothed it into uh, something really refined, mm. is exactly the word, Leon. I heard it compared to Sekiro's light combat before the game came out. And I immediately was like, "Oh God, no! Please, no!" <laughs> like, I, like I can't I, do like, it. I, I, I have, I have a love hate relationship with with From Froth Games. I, I, I really, really enjoyed Elden Ring, but I, I, I was going in this game hoping that it wouldn't hit those levels of Dark Souls. Um, yeah. And I think where it failed you, James, it might have served yep. me. But oh, yeah, I, yeah. not just from a difficulty standpoint, though. Like the thing that I, um, 
I was concerned about is that uh, as a as playing as a Jedi, I want to feel more powerful than almost anybody I fight against. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this game kind of was a roller coaster at that. Mm-hmm. Um, there'd be some fights where you'd enter, and you know it, there'd be three stormtroopers perched precariously at the edge of a cliff, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I know what I should do, <laughs> and you know you do that. But then also you find ones like Leanne said, you get two or three of those those goat type animals, or even like the the mini Ogdo Bogdos there mm-hmm. that would you know yeah. uh, that you could just find yourself completely outmatched, or at least you, or at least threatened in a way that that maybe i felt like i shouldn't have been um i i think that when you invoke that and clearly as you said james they were trying to invoke that there there's always going to be that type of expectation that you're probably never going to meet on either side of it which is difficult um but as far as the the moment to moment combat went i was fairly satisfied with it in the sense that that every battle felt like one i could lose if i did something poorly now I think this is a part where the game struggles, and I and I, I've heard other people say this. It was whole, it's not a wholly original thought. Is that if I was one on one with an enemy, I felt pretty good. Um, it's when this game doesn't have a lot of even with the double light lightsaber stand like um uh, options, it doesn't have a lot of options for crowd control. And when a lot of things are happening at screen at any one time, I never felt like I was properly equipped to handle all of them. Because when you'd be hitting the parry button to parry back a blaster from one enemy, if there was a bunch of enemies with blasters, all of a sudden you you successfully did the thing that you tried to do, but all of a sudden you're being damaged from four other directions or, or whatever. Mm. Um, and I felt like there was a there's a lot there's a lot good in this combat system, but it was as you said that Tesco Dark Souls like it it wasn't as refined or it wasn't it they didn't nail it down in a way that ever felt truly great unless you were in a scripted boss battle. And, and some yeah. of those I felt were, were particularly high points. And, um, but then you just sometimes you'd be fighting four animals and you'd just get wrecked and be like, Oh, here yeah. we go. You know, like it yeah. just, it happens. Yeah. 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 No, that's exactly it. Uh, that's exactly how it came off to me. Um, and the boss fights I ended up enjoying more, um, for, for exactly that reason. And, and to be fair, if I think through star Wars, the the coolest Jedi battles that I immediately think of tend to be one on one fights. That tends, or like obviously, two on one when it's Qui Gon and, and Obi Wan um, mm-hmm. versus Darth Maul. But they tend to not be a Jedi versus ten opponents because that just doesn't happen all that much in Star Wars that I've seen. The the real yeah. standouts are the the one on one sword fights, or you know that when it's really intense and you get the emotional impact as well. I'm not going to get the emotional impact from fighting three little crab things that are spitting poison at me. That's, that's there's that's nothing your, there. That's your loss. Um, <laughs> no, the um, what about the big one-on-one fights with spiders? Of course, what they've done in uh, <laughs> in the sequel again, not to mention the sequel too much, but it is relevant, and mm. some of us have played it. Uh, they've brought in the the droids from the prequels, so basically, nice. you've still got troopers and stuff like that, but you can also. I thought some of the the funnest moments from phantom menace even and 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 the other prequels are, are when you do see obi and Qui gone or uh and obi and anakin just slicing droids like then they're just like paper um and you get to do that a bit more in in the second game which sort of feels more logical um yeah. but there's also some slightly kind of tougher more more well-equipped and armed enemies i think yeah as with so much of our correspondents saying Sequel could be good. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm not far enough into it to to definitively review it, and maybe we'll come back here sometime and do that. But what I will say is that it feels like that the developers knew where they'd fell short on the previous game and have done 
intelligent things to mitigate against falling down the same pitfalls. You've played a bit more than me, Brian. Would you concur? Uh, yeah, I um, I'll save some of that for my summary because I've uh, okay, I've okay. played I've played a lot. Okay. a bit more. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ashman eighty six from the forum says, while some Souls fans might write this off as a shallow knockoff, I thought From's obvious influence on the game was additive rather than anything central. Fallen Order's design. The game instead plays out like a 3D Metroidvania, which I thought made for a really wonderful and unique kind of Star Wars experience. The combat, while not as deep as the Souls games that inspire it, fast and fun, and provides plenty of challenge if you're willing to push the difficulty level to just beyond where you're comfortable. But, interestingly, counterpoint, and as we always say, difficulty is subjective and what you enjoy in an, any particular game might be different, to somebody else or even yourself in another game. Seanus Thomas from the forum says, I played on a harder setting I didn't like Fallen Order. I grew tired of dying to stray Stormtrooper blasts and repeating sections over and over and the Souls mechanics felt tacked on. I merely wanted to feel like a powerful Jedi, not cannon fodder. So I bumped it down to the easiest setting and the game morphed into an entirely different yarn. I found myself deflecting laser blasts, cutting through swathes of enemies and the pace of the game ramped up hugely. It morphed into a breathless mixture of parkour, exploration, and swift combat. So, your mileage may vary. Uh, one thing I, I also wanted to mention, along with Rager from our forum here, is um, there is a problem with lightsabers, not just yeah. in the games, but also in the films. And this is something that I've seen Disney criticised for multiple times, while, of course, the people who do that willfully ignore all the times in the original trilogy where lightsabers didn't do what they're supposed to do. So it's become a real bugbear of, you know, Disney hating Kathleen Kennedy loathing fans that <laughs> lightsabers don't work properly in the Disney Star Wars because they don't cut things right and all this kind of stuff. All you need to do is go back and watch the episode six sail barge sequence with Jabba <laughs> uh, and Luke is waving that lightsaber around, cutting things, or would be cutting things left, right, and center. This is after films we've had multiple kind of uh, limb severances and stuff like that. No one gets anything sliced off in that entire sequence. <laughs> in fact, a lot of times people just get knocked off by lightsabers without even leaving a spark or a mark. So, yeah, that's just an, another little pet peeve of mine. But it is an issue. <laughs> I think, in video games where obviously you can't just let the player cut through anything with a lightsaber because it would, I mean, maybe someday somebody will work out how to do it. I know there there are a couple of lore yeah. things in Star Wars which are lightsaber-proof Beskar and those lightning rods and <clears throat> um, vibro blades and all this other stuff. But <laughs> ultimately, you walk, up to a, you walk up to a plant or a rock in Fallen Order and there's... There's a few things that you can cut and they animate nicely and they fall away. But most of the environment, you just leave a little graze. You just leave a little like scorched mark and mm. it's kind of disappointing. But I completely understand <laughs> why it has to be the case. But uh, Rager on our forum says, yeah, sadly, Fallen Order can't solve the lightsaber conundrum that most Star Wars games struggle with. It feels like you're wielding a glowing baseball bat instead of an extremely powerful <laughs> sword of light that can cut through practically anything with little effort. And actually, I think compared to a lot of games, I think Respawn did okay with this. Yeah, personally. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. I mean, even Red basically needs a red faction, well, right? We were both <laughs> yeah. going to say the red same faction. thing, Carl. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure what the answer is, other than yeah, 
just having C- Beskar walls. For the enemies, I think they do a good job in that you start off with stormtroopers who are using blasters, so they're not. You're probably not getting close to them, yeah. and then then you get upgraded to um, troopers that have. Um, yeah, they have electric batons, essentially, which makes sense. They're designed to repel lightsabers. Like what's-his-face out of um, episode three. Yeah, absolutely. It, it makes sense that Grievous. the Empire would design weapons to counteract um, lightsabers. You do come up across a problem with, like, Beskar steels meant to be quite rare in the universe, so you can't have that everywhere. And absolutely, when you walk up to a door and you don't have... It's usually not a key. It's usually a BD-1 can't hack through it yet or whatever. Yeah kind of ridiculous you should be able to cut that you you should and likewise if there's a hit a mountain in your way arguably you should be able to start cutting through the mountain yep. and yep. you know yep. at a certain point you just have to kind of accept it but in terms I mean, of the yeah. enemies i thought they did a good job of explaining you have to break their guard before you can get the killing blow on them that's a reasonable explanation I think. yeah 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 essentially it's a it's an issue with the invention of the lightsaber the thing you know the weapon yeah. that we all adore and sounds incredible and looks amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but actually, if you think about it, there's any number of situations in the films that they probably could have handled differently yeah. uh, with a lightsaber. And then you give the player control in a game environment and you're like, why can't I do this with my lightsaber? Yeah. You've yeah. given me a lightsaber, but you've kind of nerfed it. Yeah. And, and far from the only franchise that has this problem, your Lord oh, of the Rings yeah. has the famous uh, yeah. Eagles problem. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. And, and arguably about magic as well. Sometimes it's really yeah. powerful, other times it's really yeah. subtle. Um, I, I don't want to bring up Harry Potter, but the unforgivable curses should just be the answer to every single problem, mm. and they never are. Yeah. You know, the, they all have this problem where they create something so powerful and cool and then mm. have to start putting limitations on how it can be used because otherwise it solves all mm. problems, you know? Uh, Veronica Jane from our Patreon says, this is a game I find impossible to have strong feelings about. The combat, it's fine. Nothing to write home about. The puzzles, they're fine. Although I remember none of them specifically beyond put the ball in the hole. The characters, well, it's a big, modern, big budget game. So there's a base level of quality in the performances, which puts them squarely at, they're fine. The game mostly reminds me of a movie you see once, don't regret the experience, but then never think about again, unless someone explicitly brings it up to you. And even then, your reaction is, oh yeah, I remember that. It was okay, I think. (laughs) Hopefully you're listening anyway, Veronica. Uh, Mark FM 007 from the forum says, Fallen Order ticks a lot of boxes for me. Soulsborne-inspired levels and checkpoints third-person lightsaber combat and force magic cinematic set pieces and storytelling it's a comfortable game to switch on and lose myself in it's a jack of all trades though the set pieces never approach the level of uncharted the lightsaber combat is noticeably lacking after playing Sekiro which is much better at making the player feel and register each successful hit block and parry and creating a sense of danger and spectacle the story starts and ends well but rarely takes off in the middle Overall, I enjoyed the game and I like it a bit more than I let on here, but it's a little too safe, a little too crafted to my personal taste. There's good moments, but little wow factor. Hopefully the sequel will change that. (laughs) And Sean S. Thomas says, as a first attempt to create a new story and way of being a Jedi, I think Respawn got a lot more right than wrong. I hope the extra time they've had on Survivor's development will see them bring even more of their own ideas to the table. In other media, we were talking about kind of cross-contamination among the Star Wars medias. Uh, Marvel Comics published a tie-in prequel series. 
uh, Fallen Order Dark Temple, written by Matthew Rosenberg and illustrated by Paolo Villanelli. It follows Seer and her master, Eno Cordova, as they explore the planet Ontotho. Don't think any of us have read it. Nope. Hasbro produced three figures in the Star Wars Black Series range for Cal Kestis and BD-1, the Second Sister and a Purge Stormtrooper, with this selection of designs being adapted by Funko into Funko Pop landfill figures. Starting from <laughs> March 2022, Cal's lightsaber hilt can be purchased at Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland and Disney's Hollywood Studios after winning a fan poll in 2020. Is it the, I wonder if it's the broken one, the 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 one you start the game with, or whether it's the one when you've kind of you got create, it all. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and at Star Wars Celebration 2022, Lego revealed a BD-1 Lego model based on the game. I assume that's out now. I don't know. That would be quite cute. We got any Lego fans in the in the team here? Legoists? Legosters? No. <laughs> Brian calls them Legos, plural, because he's American. <laughs> magical ice pod from the forum says i wound up absolutely loving this game i even got the platinum trophy i think i went in expecting a really cynical licensed cash-in but what i got instead was a su surprisingly well-written exciting narrative with fantastic exploration elements and a fun combat system and finally we have wesley allison from our patreon who says fallen order was a game i didn't really have any expectations for the recent Star Wars series movies have done nothing but turn me away from Star Wars. It was therefore a big surprise that this game really captured me and I thoroughly enjoyed my time exploring the different planets, Kashyyyk being a highlight for me. The Souls-like mechanics really scratched an itch and I had a lot of fun cutting through stormtroopers and spiders. <laughs> I ended up getting the platinum trophy for this game but would honestly tell people not to bother. Trying to decipher the map and find the last few percent of items on each planet was painful and boring at best. Despite me being soured by the trophy hunting, I would recommend this game to anyone, and I'm looking forward to playing Jedi Survivor soon. Just to defend my honor for a second, um, <laughs> Sorry, I, I do, I, I, the plural of Lego is clearly Lego, but when you're telling your son to pick up his Lego, he's looking for one. So I have to say Legos. So there's a, a reason that we say Legos in this house, but I know that it's factually inaccurate. Okay, I'm done. So it's entirely reasonable. I actually... I think I, we would say really... Lego bricks probably, wouldn't we, if we wanted mm, to talk about yeah. plural of individual pieces of... Yeah. And I, I actually really, in, in reality, you know, I really hate that sort of snobby English English. Is, is be, British English is better than American English because I, I really don't think so. But, you know, just a easy, 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 quick gag, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, take the opportunity. Yeah. Right. Three word <laughs> reviews. Follow us on social media at Kane and Rince. Pixel Project Pod says somewhat buggy experience. Uh, Moonpeer says flawed but great. Brendan Agnew. Crunchy Jedi Metroidvania. Matt L says Luke Soulswalker Simulator. Jamie Smith says Padawan you are. Blue Weasel Breath gives us be a Jedi. Pog of Prophecy. Poncho Acquisition Simulator. We didn't mention the uh, the customization, which is <laughs> heavily expanded in the sequel. <laughs> Tales from the Backlog pod says ponchos are in. Christopher Love says hug that BD1. 
And finally, in a similar vein, Ashton Herman gives us BD's the best. I agree. If you hold down on the D-pad, that's your hug button, I think. So good. So it's, good. it's like a check-in button more than a hug. It's not like a boy in his blob or anything, but it's, uh, <laughs> but it's uh, yes, you can pet the BD one. Uh, you don't get a trophy for it, though, if I recall correctly. All right. Uh, rapid summaries, because we've gone quite long. Talking mm. Jedis and Star Wars. Uh, recommend or don't recommend, in a nutshell, James. Uh, yeah, so I compared this to God of War 2018 earlier, and for my playthrough, that was a particularly pertinent one. Um, it's obviously not a game that took a lot of inspiration from that because it came out less than 18 months after that game. Um, but where the developers did point is Metroidvania. Um, I think there's a lot of Uncharted in here. I'm pretty sure that was mentioned uh, by oh, the yeah. developers too. Um, and also Souls for sort of combat and the elements we talked about. I think it brings those three uh, inspirations together in a way that doesn't quite meet any of them in the directions. I don't think it's as cinematically satisfying as Uncharted. I don't think the combat gets me as much as as Souls, and I don't think the exploration hits as much as as Metroid does. And that's kind of where I came out on God of War as well. However, God of War had moments, the Valkyrie fights, the combat sung for me there because it got the balance of difficulty and needing to mix up my skills right and there's moments this game does as well so where i kind of net out on it is and and we get this a lot with initial games in a series where you see the promise you see the rough edges absolutely you see the frustrations because it's kind of like something but doesn't quite get you there um but you see the promise and i see a lot of promise in this i kind of came into replaying this game thinking i'm not sure i'm going to bother with survivor but having thought through this game more having talked to 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 at least two people on this pod who have played uh, some of the sequel it gets me more hopeful for what that game could be with you know the rough edges kind of worked on and a little more depth into some of the systems that they put into this um and yeah bd's the best uh, that that enough that some of the characters in this game mm-hmm. is enough to make me want to spend more time with those characters and therefore play the sequel thanks james Yes, overall, I enjoyed my time with this game. It's got some sort of weird quirks and shortcomings, I think, that we've gone to town discussing. But overall, it's a fun Star Warsy time. You get to wield a lightsaber. I would especially recommend playing the native PS5 version with a DualSense because I really do think it's it's additive to the experience. Uh, if you like kind of modern video games that are, you know, that kind of multi-genre mashup of 3D action adventure platforming, a bit of puzzling, a bit of combat, a bit of this and a bit of that that's uh, that's all in vogue. I don't think this excels in any single area at all, but the combination of the elements are pretty strong and solid, despite a few little rickety aspects. And yeah, you BD1s there and lightsabers are there. So it's a fun time. It's also quite possibly in your collection via Game Pass already, or, or PlayStation Plus or something like that. So again, um, I reckon, uh, I, I expect it's probably quite cheap now as well. So uh, prior to playing the sequel, and certainly if you've ever enjoyed something Star Warsy or more than one thing Star Warsy, you, I'd say you can't really miss it. Uh, there's there's no harm in giving it a go. But yeah, do perhaps just fiddle around with those difficulty levels. As we heard, your mileage will probably vary as regards to how much challenge you want from the combat. And so don't just necessarily leave it on the default. Give it a little play on 
think there are at least three settings. Uh, and so find out which one works best for you. Be an all-powerful Jedi that just wins every fight or uh, or make it life and death struggle. Yeah, good fun. Brian? Yeah, I feel most of the same way you do, Leon. Um, I think the strength in this game is with its story and its characters. Um, I grew over the t- course of the game to to become tired of the combat and navigation, but grow ever more interested in what was going on with Grease and Seer and Marin and and figuring out kind of what was going on with uh, Holocron and Eno Cordova and all those things. Um, I think this is a game with a lot of character to it, and uh, I it's really best experienced, I think, um, probably, unless you're looking for that crazy hard experience. I, I don't think there's any reason you couldn't play through this one on the easier difficulty um, just mm-hmm. to experience the story, because I think it's a really good Star Wars story. And, and as Leon and everybody has mentioned already, we've got a lot of Star Wars stories now. <laughs> Some are better than others, depending on, you know, your mileage may vary on those. But um, I think this is absolutely worth playing. Um, I can say that I am now uh, 25 hours into the sequel. And wow. uh, what I will say about it is that if you liked this game, I think you're going to love the next game. And I think that if you haven't played this one and if you listen to all this, if any of it's um, even remotely interesting to you, that I think I think it's it's worth worth your time. Um, there's so Star Wars games are, are are weird because they can almost there's almost an impossible bar for them to hit. And I think this game earnestly attempts to tell a good Star Wars story while letting you play as a Jedi. And for let's say. The overwhelming majority of the game, I had a great time playing through it. So to quote Leon, it's good fun, and you can find a lot worse out there. So totally worth your time. Cool, cool. And uh, simply because he's fully completed it twice, maybe he doesn't love the game the most. We'll find out. But Carl? I I think, you know, Brian's probably summed it up in the, in the same way that I would, in that I, I don't think that this is a game that thrives at the highest difficulties. I think it is actually a far more fun experience um, leading up to any difficulty prior to the hardest. Uh, it's. I think it's a game that's potentially harmed more than not by its comparisons to Souls. It it has more in common to more traditional hack and slash games to me than, than a Souls game, whereas I look at Souls games and I think that they have quite a lot in common with, you know, high-quality beat-em-ups when it comes to, you know, uh, understanding sort of the frames and the timings and all these things. This game is not that, and when it tries to be that at the hardest difficulty, it becomes a little bit clumsier. It's actually more enjoyable for me personally to play it at a lower difficulty, which I did on my second full completion. I actually did my first full completion on the hardest difficulty by the last boss, I will admit, to actually just turning the difficulty down for that. Yeah. Um, and I think it was a much better experience at that lower difficulty. I think coming into it, you do have a roster of interesting characters. You know, BD1 is fantastic, but, you know, Grease and Sia are a fantastic supporting cast alongside Cal um, that I actually care about learning more uh, more about. I think the villains, if we're looking at Trilla primarily, um, uh, is actually one of the more interesting antagonists in a game I've played in quite a long time because it actually meshes really well with Sia's storyline. Um, so, you know, there's been a lot of feedback and a lot of discussion around this game about it being a mishmash of so many other games and actually poorer than the comparisons. 
But if you're going to cherry pick the best of the best to compare it to, it's never going to match up in all those areas. But what you actually do get is a very strong, solid experience that, you know, whilst I did fall off it the first time I played it, when I came back to it two years later, I actually did enjoy it. And then I went back and I probably enjoyed it even more on my second full playthrough mm. when I actually understood the the nuances and the frustrations um, that I wasn't aware of on my first time playthrough when it came to, to you know, finding these little nooks hidden in the world. And I think when you get that and you're playing it on a lighter, uh, lower difficulty and you're blasting through these enemies and you're using the force, it, that's what's kind of cool about Star Wars, right? Like, you find yourself making the, the lightsaber sound effects. You you know, it, 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 it's, you turn into that sort of young kid um, with, with a, a sort of a cool world and lore around it. And it does suck me in at times in that. And I will be playing the sequel. I intentionally held off in case it actually tainted anything that I felt about, you know, Fallen Order. I will be picking it up uh, in the relatively near future to continue the story. Mm that I have begun to really enjoy in this game. It's not a perfect game. There's a lot of things that aren't as polished as I would have liked. That does not mean that it's not enjoyable. I would definitely recommend giving it a chance. And like Leon said, give it a go on the PS5 if it's an option. Uh, the First of all, it just runs better. Second of all, the DualSense really does add uh, something to, to gaming experiences that is otherwise missing and it really does add just that little extra layer to make the combat a little bit cooler with a lightsaber i'd definitely give it a go maybe there's a pc mod that fixes the wookie fur that would be nice <laughs> right uh thank you then it remains for me leon to thank brian ja james carl editor jay as well as all our correspondents plus everyone for listening as always next time in issue 569, Animated Antics from Laserdisc with Dragon's Lair and Space Ace. Oh, no.